Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. Uh, welcome to Grape Top Church Online. We love you guys. Um, I'm your host, Homer Hargrove. We are starting a new series called The Agony of Worship. The Agony of Worship. And I feel like when it comes to the topic of worship, we have this general tone that worship is mainly just like, kind of like the, the butterflies and rainbow part of service. We always do worship at the beginning of church. Not us, because we're grave top, right? But we always typically do worship at the beginning because people are going to show up late and they, they get right at the end of worship or halfway through. And we just use it as like a buffer zone, a spacer for people that don't really want to be a part of it. And it's just like this almost mysterious thing that's hard to articulate and explain. Like, how is it that just singing songs is connecting me to God? I always find it, even though I love worship, I find it difficult to articulate a response and explanation to why singing and swaying just is a miraculous thing. But my heart in this series is to show that worship is far beyond singing and swaying. It's far beyond even just having emotional moments with God. That worship is a devoted lifestyle with many hard choices. And I pray that through this series, you would not only feel more compelled to engage during the songs and worship part, but that you would feel compelled to engage all of your life to be a living worship to God. I want to start off by uh, start our today with our title. I'm not pretending. I'm not pretending. And I really, uh, I really have a, a lot that I want to say about this whole series, and I'm trying not to say it all at once, but I want us to look as we get into today's message at the story and life of David. David is known for having a heart after God. He's known for being a man after God's own heart, and he has some major, uh, major character issues that he faces, a lot of failures that he faces in his life, but yet He's always recognized for his heart to please God, his heart to grow closer to God, his heart to worship God. And I want us to look at the moment where he first became famous. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse, starting in verse 32, it says, this is the, the most classic story when David faces Goliath, the giant. And David had just uh, came in from uh, to to drop off food for his brothers that were actual soldiers uh, in in this war of Israel to battle the Philistines. And he was just there to drop off food. And while he was there, he was hearing about this, uh, this 1v1 that the Philistines were challenging Israel with, saying, send out your best warrior and whoever, uh, and we'll send out our best warrior and whoever wins, that they'll win the battle. It, we'll just call it, we'll just do, why waste all this bloodshed? We'll just make it a 1v1. <laughs> and David shows up on the scene and Goliath has already been, it's been days where he's just been taunting Israel. No one wants to step forward. Everyone is sitting down waiting for somebody else to stand up. And the Philistine is just making fun of Israel's God. 
And David is getting uncomfortable and upset that, that this Philistine thinks that he can uh, gloat and bash the name of our God. And at this point in the story, it says, Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go and fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy, and he's been a man of war since his youth. I want us to just pause for a moment on this verse. Notice that David was ready to fight. But the way that the king saw him, the way that others saw him, the way that his brothers saw him, was that he was just pretending to be a warrior. He's pretending to be a soldier. And that this, this Philistine over this, Goliath, he's an actual soldier. You don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're doing. This is real deal. You're just pretending. David goes on to say, it says, But David persisted, I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and club it to death. <laughs> That just is a brutal scene. <laughs> like, just imagine like a stray cat beating it to death, let alone a lion. And he goes on to say, I, I go back and I, I catch it, club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too. For he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. And Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. I feel like this last thing that Saul says has two, two sides. One side is like, oh, dang. <laughs> you went after a lion, a bear? Like, all right, like, screw it, I guess. <laughs> I mean, maybe you do got a shot. And then another side of him is like, well, no one else is standing up. <laughs> I, go ahead, God be with you. Good luck. And it, this, these, this passage finishes with, then Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet, and a coat of mail. David put it on, strapped the sword over it, and took a step or two to see what it was like, for he had never worn such things before. I can't go in these, he protested to Saul. I'm not used to them. So David took them off again. Now, closing this passage, I feel like this is just such a peculiar story that we see. And we see this passion in David just just beginning we're just now seeing it and everyone else thought that david was just pretending to be a warrior welcome back facebook uh so glad y'all could rejoin us um so we just got done reading that passage and we had this awkward pause this dramatic suspense um while we we're while we we're just resonating and marinating on that that passage so everyone else thought that David was just pretending to be a warrior, but David actually believed he was one before he was. I want us to understand that David had the heart of a warrior, but he really wasn't a warrior yet. He was, this is his first steps into being an actual warrior. I mean, battling against other people. He battled against lions and bears like, oh my, that's pretty intense. But the label of a warrior, this is his very first step, his very first moment of actually stepping into that role. And he was passionate into just really jumping into that. Most of us are the opposite. He was claiming to be a warrior just at step one, 
right just while he was getting dressed he's like i'm a warrior now i'm <laughs> like like talk about uh it's like on your on your honeymoon day your wedding day you put on your dress like i'm married now like <laughs> it's like whoa like you got you gotta do the ceremony first like wait but he just as putting on his his suit he's like i'm a warrior now he was ready to go and we are so often the opposite of that in our insecurities we reject the idea that we are qualified to be the roles that we actually hold we we disqualify ourselves when we actually are wearing the label especially in our faith how many times have you doubted your own salvation how many times have you doubted like like am i even a christian like does god even want me am i just a big mess up am i really saved we doubt those things all the time even though we clearly call ourselves christians we it's like do you believe in jesus well yes surely you shall be saved <laughs> like you you are you're on the right track you got step one you can wear the label you're a christian now you are a follower of christ see let's learn from david and how to have the confidence to know that we are not pretenders that we are not pretenders so starting off that was just the the preface let's look at how one of the characteristics of David is that he is standing while others are sitting. Standing while others sit. Worship is a lifestyle that refuses to conform. Worship is a lifestyle that refuses to conform. We often imagine worship to be, like I've said, a time of singing and swaying, but true worship is a combination of lifestyle and dedicated decisions to honor God in one's life. We, it is so much beyond that one 15-20 minute segment at church. Worship is a, is a daily dedication. It's a lifestyle of choices and acts. It, even when, when you choose to not cuss somebody out that you really want to cuss out, for the sole reason of you thinking like, no, I'm a Christian now. That's an act of worship. You are choosing to honor God in what you say and the way that you treat others. That is an act of worship. When, when you give financially, when you, when you donate, make an offering, tithe, that is an act of worship. You are saying, God, I trust you with something I hold very dear. <laughs> I trust you with the, the only thing in this earth that, that makes anything happen, and I'm just simply giving it to you. Really understand what giving is. It, it, without the power of God to it, it's almost as if you're just throwing away money, isn't it? You're just subtracting from your bank account. You're just, you might as well be burning dollar bills if there was no power of God to it. Uh-oh, you could say that you feel like a good person, but if there is no God to it, then what good is being a good person if we all just die and it's nothing? It's pointless. But... When you give, you are showing your faith and that you believe not only are you doing good in the world, but you believe that God will return something good back to you. See, that's, that is faith and is an act of worship. Everything that we do is an act of worship. When I stopped doing cocaine, that was an act of worship. Saying, I want to honor God with my life. So when we understand that, the problem is that our human nature has become compliant and complacent compliance and complacent meaning we typically won't do anything 
let alone something meaningful, unless someone else does it first. We won't do something meaningful, let alone anything, unless we see somebody else do it first. Have you ever had this kind of scenario before to where you go up to a restaurant or a place of business and everyone's waiting outside and you don't really know why, but you just wait outside too. You almost you might even form a line and you don't even know why you're forming a line. And then finally someone shows up like, what uh, are we supposed to be waiting out here? And someone says, well, I just saw them waiting out here. Did anyone knock? No. Someone goes and knocks and they're like, yeah, y'all can come on in. We didn't know y'all were out here. That, that happened to me this last week. I'm like, man, we're idiots. <laughs> we, we will just allow, just, we will just wait. We will just wait and waste our time because we're so afraid to act. We're so compliant that we don't want to ruffle the feathers. We don't want to make waves. We'll wait for somebody else to do it first. You know, when, when, uh, when we look back at history, for the, I think the most memorable thing for history is the Holocaust. And the biggest question to it is, how could they have let that happen? And there's been actual psychological studies done uh, after the, the Holocaust of why, what is about human nature that makes us so compliant. There's one study to where uh, it, was a, it was a fabricated uh, incident to where they had people come in and led them to believe that they were electrocuting people as a shock therapy test all the way to 120 volts, which can stop a person's heart. Like that's killing someone. And whenever people started saying like, like no, they've had too much, they had someone on the other end pretending and acting like, oh, it's just like this whole show. And people were like, oh my God, like should someone go? And the moderator would just say, please continue. Just gently, politely, please continue. You must, you must continue. And people would go on. And it was, it was so shocking. Well, like they were shocking people, but it was, it was so scary to realize how compliant people were with just the nudge of please continue to the point of thinking that they were literally killing someone, but felt like they had to. And it was a volunteer study. They, they just volunteered and they were told they were going to get $50 to participate in this social test. It, do y'all see how terrifying it is to realize that we are that compliant? Worship has a niche in our Christian faith to really break the mold. If you even think about worship like in the singing and swaying, have you noticed that most people will not lift their hands until they see other people lift their hands? Uh, people will not start clapping unless someone starts clapping first. But once someone starts, the whole room could fill with clapping and singing, but it takes one person to start. Have you noticed that? Rarely does something happen just organically to where everybody does at the same time. How many graduations have you been to or, or ceremonies have you been to to where it was that slow clap at the beginning and all of a sudden the whole auditorium filled because... They were waiting for someone to start. Is that not just blow your mind? And so David was one of those slow clappers. To where when that Philistine, he heard the Philistine and what he was saying about their God, he says, oh, no, 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 no. That's not going to fly here. And he did not 
choose to wait for somebody else to stand up, he was willing to stand up himself. Even when he wasn't necessarily in the role. And even at that moment, everyone else called him a pretender, but in his first steps, he was making the, the, the point of becoming, owning what he believed in. It really, it really boils down to choosing when to act. And this is why it is so important to be actively conscious in your faith. It's to be actively conscious in your life choices so that you will condition your mind, condition your mind to not wait on others to act, but rather wait for the Holy Spirit to lead you. It's a huge difference. While others will wait, you can stand. And I want to make it very clear that there's an initial agony. There's an anguish within yourself when you choose to not comply, to not, not fit in the mold. There's that agony like, oh, everyone's going to see me. I'm, I'm, what if it all goes wrong? What if I fail? What if it's just a big mistake? What if they come up to me and tell me to sit down? What? Oh, there's that agony, that, that, that anguish inside yourself. But once you break through that, break through those fears, break through those social anxieties, the connection you experience with God because of the worship of your obedience far outweighs any kind of anguish and pressure within inside of yourself. Have you ever felt that, that agony? And then when you just, you just got it over with and did it and you felt this overwhelming peace. So like, ah, like it's almost like you, you like got that sneeze out of the way, <laughs> Get that burp out of the way. You felt all this indigestion. Like, ah, oh, like finally, those Tums worked. It, it just relieves you. There's a peace that comes from being obedient. And the reason that we admire people who lead and act is because they typically do it because they are passionate and simply felt like they should. We admire that in people. And the fact that these people do it even if no one else did. That is what makes David so memorable, is that he did it because he felt like he should. We see that about his character over and over and over again, to where we even forget the fact that he was a murderer. Not, just, not in his warrior life, that he literally had premeditated murder because of adultery. I mean, we don't really talk about that much because we admire so much of his, the other parts that we forget all of his mistakes. See, that is how powerful it is to stand up, is that it just outweighs the mistakes we've made in our lives. Now, the, the next thing I want us to talk about is my first steps. My first steps. This is David's moment where he's wearing Saul's armor and he takes a couple steps and says, I'm not used to this. Being new at something does not make you a phony. Being new at something does not make you a phony. We feel so unqualified at the things that we attempt. The beginner phase makes us feel more like pretenders than beginners. It's true for jobs, exercising, school, marriage, parenting, and especially worship. We discredit ourselves because we are so new to it and don't allow ourselves to truly own the role that we are entering. 
Did you ever feel like you were just pretending to be a hard worker even though you didn't know what you were doing in your job? What about when, what about feeling like you were just pretending to play house when you first got married because you didn't, you didn't know how real married people acted? Or just, you just feel like you're playing house. Or how about that feeling of being a phony when you first went to the gym and didn't even know where to start or how to use the equipment? And you just feel like you're the only person there pretending to try to be healthy while everybody else is really healthy. See, all of these moments, you can look at every point in your life, your beginning phase, it's so hard to just own the label of what you're entering because you feel like you're pretending. All of these moments are moments that we start, we were living true to the label, but felt too insecure to wear it. The minute that you start, you have the right to wear that label, even if you're too insecure to wear it. You start pursuing a, a path of freedom from addiction, you are on your journey to freedom. You can wear that label. You don't have to wear a label of addict, you can wear a label of freedom because you're walking that way. You, you, no matter what it is, you, you just became a Christian, you don't even know what you're doing, you're still like uh, trying to like drop some things off on the side. You still have all these struggles. You can wear that label of salvation. You can wear that label of Christianity. You can wear Jesus' name over your heart. Day one. Moment one. Minute one. Second one. You're started. Just because you are learning how to be a Christian doesn't disqualify you from salvation or especially disqualify you from the connection to God and worship. I believe that's one of the biggest hesitations people have in really engaging in the, the worship, the, the song part of worship, is because they feel like they are disqualified from lifting their hands. They're disqualified from singing out loud. They're not good enough yet to really play that part in church. They would just be pretending. They don't want to be hypocrites. You can own that. There is nothing stopping you from worshiping God. There's nothing stopping you from succeeding in your life, public or private. Simply give your best and learn how to walk comfortably in your own skin, not somebody else's. I think that's a key thing to learn about David's part of this story. That he literally took off the armor that Saul gave him. The, the things that all the other warriors wore, he took off and decided to be comfortable in his own skin rather than trying to pretend to be like somebody else in this new label he was wearing. And so often we do that in almost every aspect of our lives that we try to, when we start something, we try to do what we saw other people do rather than just like finding our own niche. Whether it's marriage, the gym, school, work, we repeat other people's mistakes because we're too insecure to find out ourselves. Let's go into our very last point, and that's all or nothing. All or nothing. Worship is choosing to trust God without a plan B. Choosing to trust God without a plan B. Let's, let's finish this story and see what David does to this, this Goliath, this giant. And uh, It goes on to say, He picked up five smooth stones from a stream and put them into his shepherd's bag. Then, armed only with a shepherd's staff and a sling, he started across the valley to fight the Philistine. 
I just, even as I'm reading this, does this not seem crazy? Does it not seem insane? I, imagine an army facing you and you're going, like, where's a stick? Let me get a stick real quick. Like, <laughs> this, is ins- this doesn't make sense. This seems like a fairy tale. And it goes on to say, Goliath walked out towards David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy faced boy. Am I a dog? He roared at David that you come at me with a stick. And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals. Goliath yelled. That's what you call talking trash. <laughs> Get up, Yeah, come on over here. I'll feed you to the birds. I'll gut you like a fish. Those people driving and yelling things at you on the road. And flicking you off like, yeah, well, you come over here and we'll see how I'll break that finger up. You ever say that? That's talking trash, okay? We see that in the scriptures. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. This is what, this is like, David's really talking trash. He's like, and your mama smells. And your mama and your daddy. He's like all over the place, like cutting at his neck. Burn, like total burn. Meal is born and everything needed for what David says to him. And notice that David's confidence is so clearly seen to be in God and not in his own effort. It goes on to say, as Goliath moved closer to attack, David quickly ran out to meet him. He didn't hesitate. He quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it with his sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank in, and Goliath stumbled and fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. Then David ran over and pulled Goliath's sword from his sheath, and David used it to kill him and cut off his head. Then the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, and they turned and ran. Like, this is freaking crazy, okay? I mean... This is like a, like a street fight gone bad. This is like stuff like they got taken down from Facebook. It got too graphic. And I want us to understand that when David threw this stone from his sling, that this was a, this was a supernatural part that happened. Because one, he was far enough to where he threw the sling, um, threw the stone. And I don't know how, ac- I mean, he pro- I'm sure he had practice. I've never personally just been like with a sling and seeing how far I could hit a bottle. But I would imagine it is still difficult to be accurate from a distance. And not only that, have you ever been a kid and you start throwing rocks at each other? When has a rock ever sunk into another kid's head? I mean, you like, I remember throwing rocks at friends all the time. I mean, we would shoot BB guns at each other and it wouldn't break the skin. It, you could even shoot your friend in the eye with the airsoft gun and it would just mess it up. It wouldn't like go through. This dude threw a stone and it sunk into his skull. I mean, that is the power of God moving. See, that is not don't, that is assuming a result without adding the power of God to it first. See, the power of God can make anything exponentially greater. And 
the moment that this Philistine just fell flat forward, I bet like that right before that, everyone was like jeering, even laughing. And like at that moment, it just got real quiet. Like what? <laughs> like did he trip? <laughs> like What happened? And this, this boy just like, it seems, I just imagine this little kid like Landon, like just running. <laughs> I just imagine Landon a little bit taller running. This lanky little kid okay. running. <laughs> hey, whoa, what? That's my son you're talking about. <laughs> And running up and all of a sudden, like just not stopping, sling stone and doesn't even hesitate, runs up, gets the dude's sword. I imagine he could barely lift his sword up and, and just cuts his head off. I mean, even that, I don't know if any of you have ever butchered a deer before, like actually have had to like skin a deer. It is not just like, it's not like the movies where just everything just slices through. Like once you hit bone, it's like, and it's like, like you could get stuck there. This boy clean cut his head off. Like this is a, a supernatural moment. And we, we focus all on this part. We could see the power of God move. But when David ran out to Goliath, he truly had no plan B. There was no plan B in this scenario. He was either going to see God move or die. He was going to see God move or die. There was no like, well, if it doesn't work out, I could, I'll just... I can always just, you know, get my retirement fund. And it's, it just, it's going to either work or it's not. And his faith grew to that level to where he was willing to face this Goliath after he learned he could trust God in the smaller levels. When he fought the bear and the lion, I'm sure he fought a bobcat before the lion, okay? Like, there's probably some other animals that he left out. Like, first it was that dog down the street that he fought off. And he probably worked his way up to the bear or lion. But see, those smaller levels prepared his faith for this big moment of influence. His early life battles were preparing him for this day. The days that he was a shepherd in his normal life was preparing him for the moment that he's going to be a warrior. The role that he was stepping into. And while our lives may not seem so dramatic, we go through battles all the time and we have to learn that these are constant opportunities to trust God. And that you do not have to feel timid or afraid to stepping into this new role. You can trust that God has been preparing you since you were born to step into that role. And that role, that level is going to prepare you for the next level. And that you are in a constant momentum forward that God is compelling you towards. Y'all feel what I'm saying? I want us to all bow our heads and close our eyes. And my heart in today's message is that we would shuck off the idea that we are just pretenders. That we are phonies, that we are not good enough to really wear the label we are trying to wear. You can accept where you're at and you can accept it with confidence. And I pray that in all of this, your heart would be stirred to this level of connection and worship with God. That you would have a stirring in your heart that you do not, you are not a pretender when it comes to your faith, when it comes to worship, that you can fully engage because God is with you. And everything that you've been through, even all the bad, even things you may have done this last weekend, is preparing you for a moment to worship God and see His grace. To see His grace. So if you're here, 
And the first thing I want to ask is if you're here and you feel like you're in a moment where you need to trust Jesus at the first step. You need to, to own this faith that you've been dancing around. This faith that you felt like you were just a pretender of. And you need to make it your own today and wear it. With every head bowed and eye closed, I want you to raise your hand. Amen. The Bible says in the book of Romans that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is who he said he is, the Son of God that died on the cross and rose from the dead for our sins and the sins of the world, surely you shall be saved. What that's saying is that if you have a moment of an acknowledgement of this offering that Jesus made for us and our sins and are authentic about it, surely you shall be saved. The thief on the cross, there's two people on the cross next to Jesus. One of them was the thief that asked for Jesus' forgiveness. And Jesus told him in that moment, knowing that he was going to die within a couple hours, and he said, today you will be with me in paradise. He was able to wear that label of salvation instantly. There's no waiting period. There's no moment where he had to get better, become a good person. It is in that moment that his heart was changed, that he trusted in Jesus, that he was saved. That's how quickly you can wear the label of salvation, the label of Christianity, whatever you want to call it, you can own it. You're not a pretender. Now, if you're in this room and you feel like you are just been going through these motions of not feeling enough, maybe even feeling unqualified, feel like as you're starting this new journey in your life, you constantly keep thinking to yourself, I don't know what I'm doing. You constantly feel like you're just pretending like you got it all together, like you're pretending to do what you really want to do, but you have no clue what you're doing. You feel unqualified. You feel insecure. And God is speaking to you today and saying, just own it. I am with you. If that's you, with every head bowed and eye closed, I want you to raise your hand. Amen. Amen. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would confirm, 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 and affirm that you are calling your people, that you are ministering to their hearts, and I pray that you would finish what you started, Lord, in their lives. You are doing a new thing, and you're doing a great thing, and I pray that your Holy Spirit would anoint the people in this room, that they would feel cleansed, that they would feel even rejuvenated in this moment, to walk this journey with you with a clear head with confidence with boldness and that you would help them to move past the initial anguish and really step into the glory you were calling them to in your presence i know that you are doing a greater thing and solidify it in jesus mighty name amen amen with that being said we're going to enter into a time of worship before we do we're going to sign off online thank you guys for being a part we love you have a good rest of your day I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.